Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Again, this is Andrea Schwartz with Homeschooling Help, and we are continuing our conversation about does God's law reign in your home? And I'm Nancy Wilk. Andrea, we're just going to jump right into the fourth commandment, and I'm going to start by reading it. Okay. I'm in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And honestly, that's where most people stop. But that's not the end of it. I'm going to keep reading. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Now, when most people think of keeping the Sabbath, we think go to church, take a nap and don't play sports that practice on Sunday. But there's a whole lot more here than that, Andrea. Let's talk about it. Not only is there a whole lot more, Maybe all those ideas that we have aren't necessarily in line with the commandment to the, keep the Sabbath day holy. Right, so first right. of all, let me say that the fourth commandment is just chock full of theology. In the fourth commandment, we do away with any notion of evolution because we're talking about the parallel between what we're supposed to do and what God did. And the fourth commandment clearly states that God created in six days and that the seventh day he rested. So that's the pattern he gives in Exodus 20. Now, a lot of people focus on the rest part, but the Sabbath is as much a work commandment as it is a rest commandment. For in six days you shall work and the seventh you should rest. Yeah, wow. Six days we should work and seven we should rest. But, you know, there's a lot of work that we need to do. How can you rest and do everything you're supposed to do? How, how right. can we? And that's, that's why we entitled this one, I'm Too Busy to Rest. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, rest is a commandment of God. And so if you don't do it, you're in violation of his commandment. Of course, work is a commandment of God. And if you don't do it, you're in violation of his commandment. So I realize that a lot of women, especially homeschool moms, wear many hats. And for them, it looks like they're always on. What, I'm not supposed to change the diaper on Sunday. I'm not supposed to cook the meal. I'm supposed to let the, the, the dishes stack up. You know, if there's an emergency, we don't do something because we're not supposed to work. So... I think it's important to kind of get a little bit removed from what everybody thinks this all means and get back to 
Just a brief summary of what the first three commandments were about. Identifying okay. God as God, as the only God. Second commandment, identifying that the only object of worship or the only person that should be worshiped is the living God. Thirdly, that we aren't to take this God's name in vain and that this God has a certain requirements in terms of what he has done in terms of transmitting to man what he wants man to do. So in that context, we look at the Sabbath commandment. So our work, the six days that we should work, we are to work unto the Lord. We shouldn't be involved in any work that doesn't glorify God. So God already told us he doesn't want us to compromise and he doesn't want us to take his name in vain. So we better not be calling what we do work if it's in contrast or in contradiction to what God says is righteous and holy. When we work those six days, not only are we entitled to the rest because God says we should have it, we are commanded to do so, so that guess what? We're ready to start day one again and work in terms of furthering the kingdom of God. Yeah, so it's a way that we, um, re again, reflect his image, return to uh, us, gives back to us the vision of what his image is supposed to be, right? Right. Now, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Too many people have communicated to their children that the Sabbath is a hammer. I know when my children read the Little House on the Prairie books, poor little Laura couldn't do anything besides maybe hold her doll because she was violating the Sabbath and she didn't really like it all that much. Well, why should you? If the Sabbath is a burden as opposed to the blessing that God has given us, then what we're doing is we're actually taking God's name in vain because the Sabbath rest that we experience on a weekly basis, and we won't get into it in this discussion, but then there are yearly Sabbaths and then there are Sabbaths of Sabbaths that the Bible talks about. But like I said, we're gonna focus on the weekly Sabbath, that this is a picture of our resting in the Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? You see, that's a view of rest that says it's not my efforts. It's my efforts fueled by the Holy Spirit. But if I think it's my efforts, then I, quite frankly, I will have too much to do to rest. And maybe some of the things that I'm doing have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Yes. So the work is of glory. The work is glorifying God, not necessarily just a job. Right. Not just the things that we get paid for, but everything that we do is our work before the Lord in terms of glorifying him and representing him in truth. Exactly. And I think many families make the mistake of denying their children the experience and the reality of the Sabbath. And the way they do that is not requiring that they work. Every member of the family has work to do. Mm -hmm. And too often, 
we adopt a humanistic mindset that says children aren't capable of doing this or that, or they're just children. Let's let them have their childhood. Well, usually that translates into being a parasite and not pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. Yes, they just move from one inner location of entertainment to the next location of entertainment, and and um, and not really becoming productive or, uh, or or contributing in any any sense, right? So, so you're telling me that the Sabbath is not about Sunday necessarily, exclusively about Sunday, or even taking a nap, but that. We are our work before the Lord is more than just it's more than just a job, too. We Absolutely. usually think of it as our job. And the Sabbath gives us a pattern of life. All right. Uh, I've been told that different pagan cultures at different times have decided to make the week 10 days or 14 days or five, whatever it is. Seven seems to be the number. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe that's because God have that's how he designed it. Uh huh. So when people maybe are trying to do a four day work week or work part time or or those kind of things, they're really separating their their paying job um, for really everything that we do um, all of life before the Lord to represent him. Right. Now, I realize we live in a time where, you know, if I'm a grocery clerk or I'm a mail carrier or I'm a plumber or I'm a salesman or I'm a teacher, um, we are all to be part of this royal priesthood. So whatever we do, I'm not saying the only valuable things are church work or quote unquote ministry, whatever we do, we do unto the Lord. And Mm -hmm. getting back to the whole idea of families and children, there are plenty of things that need to happen in a household. And the perfect person to teach that would be the mother for the children, because eventually these children will grow up and have their own families, God willing. And so if a mother is overloaded, chances are she is not having her children work. And in homeschooling circles, it's very easy to say, but we have to finish our curriculum. We have to do science. We have to do history. We have to do spelling. Yeah, you, you you need to do all those things so that your children can be prepared to glorify God as adults and be able to use their mind and reason and know all sorts of things. But they also know how to keep they need to know how to keep a house clean, how to keep themselves clean, how to keep clothes clean, how to work a budget, how to handle the meal preparation. Too many people by the time they get to college age in our culture have never done their own laundry. Mm-hmm. Don't know how to balance a checkbook. These are things that should be taught in the family and you can turn a lot of that work over to your children. Sure. Okay. So as a mom, a homeschooling mom, her work before the Lord is to train up these children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you still have to eat. You still have to change diapers. How does that mom keep the Sabbath and uh, on on Sunday. And does it even have to be Sunday? Well, right. See, this is another misconception. All right. People think going to church is the same as the commandment to rest. We may gather on Sundays and that may be the opportunity when people are not working 
And so we had a, it used to be that nobody really worked except the necessities of life. You know, the, the hospital stayed open, the fire department stayed open, but it wasn't that it was round the clock. And that was reflective of a Christian culture. So you have to be not only creative, you also have to be cognizant of the requirement. It's not like, you know, I don't steal, I won't murder, I won't covet, I won't slander, but I don't have to rest because you see, I'm superwoman and I've got to get this all done. So if she has trained her children appropriately, you can have meals made already so that on Sunday you don't have to cook. You could also have somebody whose job isn't always to be the one who takes care of the baby's diapers. Let's go back to the mom with who just had a baby. And she's actually given rest where the husband and the children are saying, no, mom, we're going to call you blessed and we're going to let you rest because you do so much. Remember, rest from our labors. If a man's a bus driver, well, then don't drive your bus on your, your day of rest. Work six, have one off. It doesn't mean that you can't cook the meal on the day that your wife is resting, understanding that she's on 24 seven, everything else. So if you delegate in a family, you have more hands to do the work. And as a family, you can plan for, let's make this a time of rest for everyone. And that somebody goes in and fills in for the things mom always does. But the work part is important. A three, anybody who can walk, can pretty much take socks and bring it to their drawer and put it in when mom's mm -hmm. folding the clothes or an older brother or sister. Now I'll tell you, it takes more work to get the little guy to do it than you do it yourself. But if you get the little guy to do it, when he gets older, he will train the younger guys to do it and he'll take that job or she'll take that job off your hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Keep talking. This is, you know, this is, this is like a real, this is going to be a real paradigm shift for a lot of people. We really don't know um, what it means and what all it encompasses. Sometimes we make it harder than it is. And sometimes uh, it's not as it. So it's not as hard as we imagine it. So, so if my work as a mom, if my work before the Lord is homeschooling these children, then, um, and in order for me to keep a Sabbath rest or for me to have a Sabbath rest, my husband perhaps could could do could do some of my daily chores that have to happen so that I get a rest from that. And he gets to bless uh, the mom in that or um, switch off, switch off like that. And each family can can work this out. I'm by no means going to tell people this is what you have to do. But I'm going to tell you the concept is you work six and you rest one. And you're aware of the fact that this means that you have to be efficient with your time. You have to plan things. You can't say, OK, kids, you didn't get your work done, your, your schoolwork done Monday through Friday, if that's how you decide to do it. OK, yeah, you have to do it Saturday and you have to do it Sunday. No. You see, your children should value their work. Part of the way children work is they're being students. Mm -hmm. And so a student should have a time where he doesn't go hit the books, right? That doesn't mean he can't read a book, but then he'd be reading something maybe for pleasure or something where he wanted to learn something different or be exposed to something different. The important part is to realize that the Sabbath is a blessing 
and we fail to receive that blessing and that marks us as being ungrateful and disobedient because mm -hmm. all parents like to give good gifts to their children and our heavenly father is no different. But how would you like it if you gave your child a gift and he went, I'm sorry, I'm too busy to use this gift. Oh yeah, that would be horrible. And we do that. We would do that. We do that when we reject the Sabbath and don't understand it appropriately. So is the so a Sabbath to the Sabbath is not necessarily the Lord's day. Is that correct? Not necessarily. For example, if you are a doctor, let's say we all hope that the emergency rooms stay open on a Sunday, don't we? If if we hurt ourselves or someone breaks an arm. We're glad that there's an emergency room there. Sure. So if you're a doctor and you happen to be scheduled on a Sunday, I guess you just lose your Sabbath, right? No. You make sure that you rest one day in seven. It may not be the same day everybody else is resting, but you are resting from your labors. And God is saying, you know, in essence, well done. You put in the time that you're supposed to put in, in the profession or calling that you have, and you do it to my glory. Now rest. And it's a blessing to do so. And, and that's how we should view it all around. So if in any way we get into, oh, I have so much to do. And unfortunately, churches do this to people. You got to get there. There's Sunday school. Then there's the service. Then you have the, the, the women usually have to prepare the meals. And so they leave the service early and they're in there. And not only are they dealing with the crying babies, but they're dealing with the food. And then they have to clean up. And then there's the evening service. And by the time people come home on a Sunday, they're exhausted. They so when did they rest? Right. They haven't rested at all. And then they go to Tuesday night outreach and Wednesday night Bible study and Thursday prayer group or whatever. So, yeah. So, okay. So what about Andrea? How then do we keep our um, male servants and female servants and even cattle? How do we give them the rest? Uh, actually, okay. before you answer that, I have a friend who says, I have servants. It's called my washing machine, my dryer, my dishwasher. So do we need to give those servants a rest on Sunday? Or is this just uh, people and animals. Okay. Well, first of all, the commandment was given to people. So I, I dare say that my washing machine doesn't deserve a rest. However, somebody has to operate the washing machine. So if this is what I, in other words, going back to the idea that you schedule and you say, this is what we're going to do. And we prepare for our rest. The mm. other thing is that the family is really where this commandment is given. So for the family to allow its members to not have a day of rest because some external thing, whether it's the, um, the, the church or the deacons or the elders saying, no, no, you must show up to church on Sunday. Sometimes it might just be the right thing to do that everybody just stays home and they keep the Sabbath day holy. And they're, especially in big families, they're meeting with each other. All right. And they're, they're, you know, reading scripture, singing praises unto the Lord it's not where it's dictated outside the family. The family, especially the mother and the father, need to be very cognizant of instilling in their children this idea of work and rest and the ratio that goes along with that. It's a one to seven, you know, six on, one off. 
so this is command given to the family. So I have friends who he's a fireman. Sometimes he has to work on Sunday. So this family could take their Sabbath. That family could take their Sabbath on another day, even though they may not be able to go together at church, they can still take a Sabbath appropriately for their family, even though they may not be able to gather with other believers on a Tuesday or whenever his day off is. Exactly. In other words, the family, if you look at the way it was practiced in the Old Testament, it was a family kind of gathering. The Sabbath would begin at sundown and it would go until the following day at sundown. And so a portion of that Sabbath was spent being asleep. Mm -hmm. But the idea was we wake up refreshed in terms of now having a time that we're going to rest in God's provision for our family. So even worrying about your job or worrying about the test or worrying about anything is not being faithful to rest in the Lord. And so we spend so much time thinking that anxiety is a good thing. See, it just shows how much I care. No, it shows how much you're not relying on God's provision for your family. Mm -hmm. So we need to find our Sabbath rest in the Lord, not and not necessarily in the. Um, well, you know, people can get real, real picky. You know, does Sabbath start at sundown or does Sabbath start start at noon or midnight? Just, you know, I've known people that think that Sabbath starts at midnight on Saturday night and goes till midnight or whatever, you know, midnight to midnight. So we don't need to worry about those things. That's not the Sabbath rest that the Lord is pointing us to specifically well if we stress over our rest that seems like a contradiction in terms <laughs> true right true very true yeah and, and we shouldn't confuse rest with recreation although recreation could be a form of rest rest doesn't mean you don't do anything and you don't move and see i'm resting for, for someone who spends um his or her entire time in an office sitting for six days or whatever it is, going out and taking a hike and enjoying God's creation may be the perfect rest, even though they come back tired because they have exerted themselves physically. The other thing is rest is not entertainment. So we're going to use our Sabbath and we're going to watch a whole bunch of movies and shows, which aren't necessarily glorifying to God and certainly promote a humanistic and ungodly point of view, but we're resting. In other words, this commandment comes after the first three. And that's why you can't decide to follow the commandments a little bit here and a little bit there, you know, kind of like you're at a potluck. And I don't like the potato salad, but I sure do like the raviolis, right? That's not what God says. He says, he is the Lord thy God. You should have no other gods. Don't worship anyone else. And don't act like you're being faithful when you're not. Mm-hmm. Don't take my name in vain. So right. if, if, if God rests, however that is, you know, and I, it's hard for me to fathom how the ever, cha- ever unchanging God who has always existed and time is one of his creations as opposed to he's bound by it. Do I fully understand how God rests? I do not. But I do know he tells me to. And if I decide I'm better than that or it doesn't apply to me, 
you're going to find people who have that attitude that maybe their efforts aren't as productive as they want them to be. Mm -hmm. I, I knew a woman who said her husband just decided it didn't matter. He was going to work on Sundays. He had work to do. And she said, more often than not, at the end of the day, somehow or other, his computer lost what he had done or it turned out not to be fruitful or whatever it is. We got to yeah. trust that God's pattern is what we're supposed to do. Oh, we're looking at the pattern, yeah. So uh, um, let's talk about how um, people apply the Sabbath and think about the Sabbath in terms of Christ and his finished work on the cross for us. Sometimes we think of Sabbath being more, you know, just kind of like Christ working um, our salvation for us. And we forget that it needs to be applied in these other very, very practical ways. But could you speak to that a little bit? Well, first of all, if any law of God cannot be applied, applied practically, then you don't get it because it's not more spiritual to just enhance your mind and not let your body rest. We're total, we're a package, all mm -hmm. right? And sin sort of separates us that we sort of, when, you know, we, the fact that Adam and Eve were created and God said it's good, right? Meant that they didn't have this problem with their, their mind and their, their heart and their bodies that war with each other. Well, we inherited that warfare and redemption allows us to experience fully God's provision for us. Now, not completely here, but eventually. And so it has everything to do with the fact that we can truly rest because apart from Calvary, we're at war with God. There is no peace, right? And I would venture to say, and since next week, we're going to talk about the fifth commandment, that it's important to get the Sabbath rest correct because you're going to then tell children to honor their parents. Well, their parents better be not taking God's name in vain, not having other gods, not worshiping other things and living according to the pattern, God says, of work and rest. So that's why the next commandment, the fifth commandment is really oftentimes put in the first table of the law. Some people want to put it in the second table of the law, but I believe it belongs in the first table because that's where we get the authority from God transferred to people and how people then can live amongst each other and um, be glorifying to God in their relationships. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. So um, this, uh, I'm at a loss, really. There's there's so much to... That says something when you're at a loss for words. <laughs> um, I see we're getting... It's getting close to our, our time. We still have a few more minutes, but um, I do want to share a story that I have heard from a mom that's been listening in, if I may. Um, we have a mom that, that's been listening and understood from um, last week that... Um, the law of God gives us boundaries. So these boundaries and, um, you know, this way is, is death and in this way is to life. And so when she began to understand that, and they went back as a family and um, were reading through the Ten Commandments and doing some stuff. So they made a poster. And as they worked through the Ten Commandments, the kids started confessing sins 
that she had not ever heard before. She didn't know. And um, so they had quite a family discussion about recognizing now what sin is. They didn't know that they were sinning until they began to look at the law of God and then were, were able to confess their sins and, and make those things right. So that's real, um, real interesting. Um, and, and what we hope happens, you know, as, as people come to understand these things better. So, so I think that Sunday coming up, folks will hopefully before Sunday, they'll get a better idea of working and resting and thanking God for for the opportunity to do that. Because God, the whole purpose of the law, all right, is to let us understand the offense of sin. Now, the book of Romans says we're all born with this knowledge of the law. That's why nobody has any excuse and says, well, nobody told me. Built into the fabric of our being is knowing that murder is wrong and life and preserving and, and fostering life is right. So anybody who tells you, for example, they didn't know abortion was wrong, maybe they were looking for reasons not to acknowledge they knew it was wrong, but deep down inside, all people know that murder is wrong. Yes, we do. The advantage of learning the law and teaching the law is the very same, the very thing that you said happened in that family. As the children learned, they were, oh, Oh, and then they confessed. And, and that's exactly what the law serves as for the believer. The believer now, because the Holy Spirit dwells within them, says, okay, how can I please God? And the mm -hmm. difference between those in Christ and those not in Christ is those of us in Christ have the benefit of the Holy Spirit that leads us and those outside of Christ have their fallen nature. So you would expect, as you teach children God's law, to find out the things that they successfully hid, because then they learn you've hidden nothing from God. He sees it all. Yes, yes. We've also had opportunity to work with a young mom and her um, her kids over the past few weeks, and those children have learned to work in ways that they didn't before. And mom has learned to employ them in, in assisting her in her the work of taking care of the house and, and loving each other and um, uh, preparing the meals and cleaning up afterwards. And those little guys were just thrilled to be able to put the napkins on the table and put the forks on the table and, and push the chairs up and wash their dishes and so those kinds of things, while they seem like small, small um, mundane tasks, those that is the the that's the work. It's not apart from the work that God has called us to do. Absolutely. So that's, that's something that we need to we need to have our, our change our mind on. Work isn't just the things that you get paid for. Well, right, and oftentimes the hardest work. I mean, I don't know too many moms that get a paycheck at the end of the week saying, thank you for all the things you did, but they're storing up treasures in heaven. And that's for sure. Just one thing before we go, there okay. may be people saying this is all fine and dandy, but I don't have a clue as to how to implement this. Well, number one, let me give you a couple of suggestions here and also say both Nancy and I are available. You can leave messages here or private messages 
and we'd be more than happy to talk with you individually. But, you know, if someone's old enough to walk, there are things that that person can do. And from the time children know their colors, have them separate and sort their laundry. Perfect way to teach children colors. These are light colors. These are dark colors. Mm -hmm. By the time someone's eight years old, they should be responsible enough to stand on the stool and wash their clothes in the washing machine. You don't, it's not like you have to take them to go down to the river and beat it on a board. We have most, most of us have those conveniences. Um, taking the groceries in from the car, putting the groceries away. Um, sometimes at, uh, there were times where I wanted to read something and I would send my older ones in with a list and they were to come out and get me when it was time to pay. And then the, the cell phones, it was even easier. Mom, come on in. We're ready. We're in the checkout line. My husband used to send out mailers to his customers. Guess who did most of the work? The kids. And as they got older, <laughs> they would take the less preferable jobs and teach the younger ones that they had to do it. And so, you know, whether it was stuffing envelopes or putting stamps on or whatever it is, everybody gets invested. And then being invested in the family gives a greater cohesiveness to the family rather than I want to be with my friends, my peers, the people who I show up at school with. It's one of the reasons why state education is so detrimental to the family because the loyalties don't remain with the family. Right, right. Um, another thing that I learned recently, Andrea, in, in terms of work, and that is that with um, that that Lord, the Lord rewards good work, faithful work with guess what? More work. Because he tells us that if we're faithful with a little, he'll put us in charge with much. Where do we learn those things? But in the home, we learn exactly. to work at home. And that is where we develop the skills and the abilities and the mindset to be of service before the Lord in, in our, um, in our churches and in our communities and in our own families um, one day for the next generation. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, we're, we're not done with the concept, but I hope we've introduced it enough that it gives people some things to think about and hopefully have some more questions. And let me highly recommend that uh, they get a hold of the book, the Institutes of Biblical Law, Volume 1, it's a big book. And as I tell a lot of ladies, it's better to read it and learn it than just use it to hold a door open or to hit bad guys on the head if they happen to break into your house. But where I developed my understanding of the Sabbath, and it's a progressive understanding. Every time I teach this commandment, I learn more. So um, if you're having a hard time getting your head around all this, give it some time. And I really recommend that book. Thank you very much. We'll go look at it. Read it. All right. We'll, yep. Then we'll see y'all next time. And thanks for joining us. Yes, ma'am. See if we can end this broadcast. Here we go. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz in the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com 